Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Views, the podcast that takes a topic each week and casts views. This week's guest is a familiar voice both to hear and no doubt you're subscribed to the other podcast he hosts, is my co-host from Just Football, it's Dan Strange. Hi Dan. Good evening, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, absolutely tired and shattered today, so if you see me nodding off, can you just shout into the microphone and just <laughs> wake, wake me up? Yeah, how's things with you? Yeah, not bad. Same. It's been a busy week. Feeling a bit exhausted. We're recording on a Thursday evening, aren't we? So it, it it's the back end of a week. Yeah, it's and... back end of a of a long week, and also our third podcast at the moment this week, isn't it? We, yeah. So we've done a couple exactly. of the football ones. We had originally aimed to do four, didn't we? Uh, so we we slimmed it down to keep it. Uh, yeah, within the three. Well, do, yeah. Do you know what? Because I also have one on Sunday, so I thought that'd be fine. And then we were going to do one this lunchtime and tonight, and I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm just about ready for this one. Right. <laughs> So tell us, before we get into the episode, do you just want to give the sales pitch, the elevate, what is it, the elevator pitch for Just Football while you're here? Yeah, so uh, we've been doing a Just Football podcast for the last, I guess it's two months now, right? I think we're about 16, 17 episodes in. We talk about football, so we started just as the football season finished, and we have been talking through the off-season about transfer news and, and various different football bits. We've had a few guests on, which have been quite good fun. So we've, we've been talking to Arsenal fans, a Watford fan. Um, and um, someone else, Norwegian, a Norwegian, Norwegian fan. Yeah. Yeah. So we're getting some insight from from all over the place, which has been good fun. But yeah, if you enjoy football and enjoy hearing people talk about football, come and listen to us at Just Football Podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter at Just Football Pod as well. And to seal seal the deal, you're going to hear our lovely voices promoting it now in a quick ad. Welcome to Just Football, a football podcast which aims to be your one-stop shop for all things on the beautiful game. Each episode will take a look at different features and aspects of the sport. From analysing the latest results, to reviewing upcoming key fixtures, to what's going on in the news. There will even be some quizzes and games to test ourselves. And you. We also aim to bring you analysis of breaking events and biographies of teams, from the Champions League to non-league. No filler, no time-wasting. Just football. Right, we are back. So I think, yeah, this was your idea, wasn't it, to do this this topic? So we are doing catfishing. Yes, yeah, we're, we're doing catfishing. Well, I hope we are, because that's what the notes have got. <laughs> so if you suddenly announce something different, oh, I should have seen your face. Yeah, you, yeah, because I think you suggested it to me, and. I can't remember what we were talking about, but then you said Tinder Swindler, and I said I'd not seen it because I've not seen a lot of things ultimately. So, so I think you then mentioned it, and and the funny thing was, literally a few minutes beforehand, I said to you, I don't actually know why it's called catfishing, and I thought there might be some clever or interesting story to it, but it's actually quite straightforward explanation it's quite as to the yeah. term, isn't it? Yeah, I think oh, there you go. You said the word I wasn't going to say, but. <laughs> and yeah, we'll say it quickly, but I, I didn't know where the term come from, but um, it essentially origin or originally originated from an MTV show um, that happened, which got the title Catfish, and then it kind of became a, a known term based on, on the TV show. But the word Catfish originally is, is based on the deception. So when they were transporting like live cod um, from, I think it's Alaska to China, 
they would put catfish in the tanks of these cods to kind of keep them fresh or, or something along those lines to form a deception of the people they're selling it to. So like yeah. a really, really boring story, but that's where the phrase comes from. And I can't do anything to make that sound any more interesting than it is. I just think it's funny that they've gone into the world of like fishing to get anyway. It's funny, and and also probably people have now realised we're going to talk about the online fake online persona things. So we're probably going to lose a lot of listeners who may have wanted to listen to actual cat fishing, a show about cat, you know, fishing for catfish. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but if you do, email me and we'll sit, we'll do an episode. I'll get down back and we'll actually yeah, do an we do a on. spin-off about cod and transporting between Alaska for, and China. Yeah, yeah, fishing for catfishing. But yeah, no, ultimately we are doing taking the word catfishing as the act of creating a fake online persona or identity on social media platforms or websites with the intention of deceiving others. Now, do you know what I was thinking about the last couple of nights was? It feels like this is a fairly new, we, you know, it's a new term or newish term, a new phenomena about this whole duping people on dating profiles and that. But ultimately, I think since the internet was given it put into the hands of Joe Public, I think catfishing has always been a thing. We always joked, you know, when we're in chat rooms about, oh, you're not really talking to a girl, you're probably talking to a 50-year-old bloke from somewhere on the other side of America. And I, I remember actually at college, when chat rooms were a thing and they just seemed so exciting at the time and at college a couple of us you'd log in with one name then when our mate joined on we'd log out and log back in under a completely different name and and kind of you know sort of string him along in a conversation so ultimately it's not anything new but I think it's just taken more of a sinister and almost like a professional turn hasn't it yeah so I think what you were trying to say there is you used to catfish on a no, on a lo- lower level play pranks is <laughs> <laughs> haven't we probably all at some point I'm sure we've called someone up and put on a fun you know a different voice or accent to try and play a joke or someone isn't that if you're pretending to be someone else or something else isn't that what we're saying catfishing yeah yeah I guess so. I guess I guess catfishing is pointing more to the online yeah yeah but yeah it's absolutely it's, it's deceit and deceiving isn't it but given a nice nice word in front of it <laughs> yeah 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 like prank uh, yeah I think when we say catfishing, though, there's a specific term, a specific box for it, and that is about dating. And, you know, some of the stories, well, one of the stories, like I've mentioned, a Tinder swindler is actually quite serious. Well, it's very serious for those who, who get caught up in it. We've got it like catfishing. An individual is likely to use someone else's photos, information, or even create an entirely new person to establish a relationship or to engage in interactions. The motivations... It can vary. Now, initially, you think it's about money, but some people are saying it's emotional. It might just be they, they need attention. Or well, some people, they say, you know, just get off on it, the enjoyment of pretending to be someone else. And kind of just before we go into just talking generally and, and, and maybe if there is anything personal to us, I did get some stats and it said recent statistics show that 41% of US online adults have been catfished, which is... That's astonishing, really. 41% of American online, so of of adults online. Now, you've got to think probably the majority is. I haven't got that number. So that's a 33% increase since 2018. And in Britain, over 200,000 people may have been catfished on dating apps. Sorry, that was in 2019. And romance fraud grew by 50% between 2018 and 2019 in Australia. So the website I've got was... It's really sad that the term romance fraud has to be a term, isn't it? It's... Yeah. Women are 63.2% more likely to be targeted than men. 
and a study by eHarmony found that 50% of participants encountered fake profiles on dating websites or apps and another website reported that almost 80% of users had had conversations with scammers at some point. You would like to think that this is quite a serious thing right and you would you would like to think that the dating online dating apps would have a way around this like being able to provide some sort of documentation or like a passport number or or something that you can identify to a human on it so you'd like to think it's avoidable from from that perspective yes yeah i can you can fake documents i guess and if you then say we're gonna start checking you know if you're gonna start checking like your government because here you know you've got a national insurance number that's linked to everything are they allowed to do that and is that safe in the hands of dating sites I, I don't know but you must think yeah there must be a some sort of checks i mean even running photos through a like reverse image lookup or something because i'm sure yeah. most people just get the images offline right yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. and i've just got a couple more here romance scams cost the u.s consumers a total of 201 million dollars in the last year with an average loss in the uk of a hundred no, sorry, £11,145 for UK victims. North America basically accounts for 29% of all catfishing incidents worldwide. Interestingly, and probably fairly understandable, in the 2020 survey, 58% of online dating users said they noticed an increase in fake profiles during COVID-19. I guess most people were online then, right? And you couldn't go out as much. You had to, yeah. to rely on that. So, so I've not used dating apps, but... I'm sure, I think you can sometimes think you can tell where you see fake profiles online, like, you know, on Facebook, et cetera. What about you? Have you had any experience or? Yeah, so I, I have been on dating apps and have a, got a bit of experience of it. And you know, sometimes where you get like spam emails into your inbox and it's so obviously spam, but they're trying to get you, you know, it might spell Amazon, A-M-A-S-O-N or something like that. And there's something really obvious wrong with it. I think you kind of can tell straight away from some of these fake fake profiles that they're not a real person. And if you can't from a profile, you you can tell very quickly from a conversation that you start having. I think there was one person who I actually started chatting to um, who was obviously a fake. Um, but because I was bored, I think I was in I think it was in COVID at the time, I just carried on, played along talking about it and just wondered how long it would take before it got to a point where they were asking for a credit card number or something along those lines. And on the first evening, I think I was talking to this person, we were talking about interests. And I said, oh, what are your interests? And uh, she said something like cooking, films and cryptocurrency. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> when do you ever list cryptocurrency as a hobby? And then she proceeded to try and sell the idea of investing in cryptocurrency. Okay. And it, you, you could just see it coming a mile off, but it was quite funny to kind of play along. I thought you were going to say you stopped talking to her. And then there was someone, I can imagine someone, she's sitting in her living room saying, I knew I shouldn't have mentioned my interest in cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, imagine if it was genuine. Was it something you went into it with your eyes open, aware that you thought, I've got to be on the watch out for this. Or... That particular profile you could tell was fake. Um, there was lots of pictures of person, people, but not revealing the face. So you could kind of tell. And there were like model type pictures from a yeah. distance. And, you know, you look at the distance and the distance listed 20,000 miles away or something along right, those lines. Yeah. And this obviously isn't a genuine person. Uh, so let's see how long it takes. But when you signed up, were you already of the mind like, yeah, I'm going to get a load of spam? Or was it only after you signed up and started seeing the profiles is what I meant? So did you go oh, in? I see. 
I think you kind of know there's fakeness out there, um, but you, I think you just sift through it. So uh, one thing, and you know, I said about the dating agency should be able to, or dating sites should be able to verify. I think Match do do a online verification thing where you can have a verified profile and you, and you can have a non-verified profile, and they make you take a picture of you with a passport or something. I can't remember exactly what it is, or you doing a certain pose so they know they've got a real-time picture. So you can filter out the people that haven't verified their profile. So there is an element of of it, but there's still a lot of junk on there. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, because you and I are from like IT backgrounds in terms of work and that, so I'm wondering, does that make us a little bit more, because you kind of know what is or, or isn't out there in terms of online fraud and, and security things. So, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, does it make us already a little bit more sceptical about certain things? Maybe. 90% of the emails I get in, I still don't trust, even if it's genuine almost. I'm, that, I'm just that yeah. conditioned to like not trust almost anything. You're probably right. And I, when those emails come in, I always look to see who the email, the actual address of where it's from. And then you see it's not it's not from the company at all. It's from someone's Gmail account. So I think, yeah, maybe I'm a bit sceptical about most things that kind of come in and being genuine. Do you know, the thing that amazed me, though, was I think at least in the UK anyway, I don't know about US, it's not actually illegal at the moment. You'd like to think at some point it will be, wouldn't you? Falsifying yourself online, I think it's probably just a new law. It's just surely it's a matter of time before it comes in, you would think. Well, you know, sort of said before in a couple of different topics on here, the UK anyway, we just seem so far behind in terms of technology law. The, the internet and the digital world has gone so fast, hasn't it, that... Yeah. I don't think our laws have caught up with it yet. Yeah. I mean, I think it was only recently the whole upskirting thing was was like made an offence, which if you think about it was is unreal. And and even deep fake now is cause a whole whole other thing. Although, you know, we're we're not here to talk about that. But yeah, just looking up here, there is no specific law that deems the act of catfishing illegal. Internet law specialists explain that with the exception of harassment, there are no criminal laws against impersonation on so social media. What they have said, though, if, if a catfish illegally obtains money, then they could be found guilty yeah. of fraud. But yeah, the act of deliberately passing yourself as, as off as someone else to dupe someone else is, yeah, fill your boots, it seems. Although we're not condoning it. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not a hobby I'm going to take up anytime soon. All right. So like I said, I've got the Tinder Swindler, which is probably the most well-known one but I'll, I'll keep that till the end and and again I'll, i want you to go first because guests go first so. <laughs> <Doing again. laughs> yeah. that's not what happened last time all right okay so um this one is also quite a well-known case and i think it's quite well known in america so for any of your american listeners they've, they've probably heard of this um but have you ever heard of someone called manti teo no definitely not that's a good start then so so Man- manti teo was a victim of a, a catfish um, scandal um, and it was quite well publicised because he was a high profile um, college footballer who plays for Notre Dame which I obviously see as a, as, as a French cathedral yeah. but it's obviously an American football college team as well and over a three year period he got to know someone who he thought was a girl called Lene uh, Kakua and they obviously never met because it was someone impersonating uh, this Lene they set up a Facebook profile um, used pictures of someone completely different and began talking to her. Now, the, the person imper- impersonating um, them was a, a guy called Renea Tula Sopu, which I've obviously pronounced wrong. 
Um, and he was actually quite come from a sports background himself. So he kind of understood, he, I think he, some of his family had been in the NFL. So he kind of understood football and college football. So that's where the thing in common that kind of drew them to, together yeah. to kind of talk, yeah. start talking. So over a three-year period, they continued this online long-distance relationship. He was able to impersonate a woman's voice quite well. Uh, so they were able to talk, talk on the phone and exchange text messages. But where it got quite big is on the day that Manti's grandmother passed away, he also got a phone call to tell them that his this girl, Lene, had also passed away. So from his perspective, his long-term, his long-distance girlfriend and his nan um, had passed away on exactly the same day. Now that actually, the, the year that followed that event and that grieving, it caught a bit of, you know, it kind of caught the attention of a lot of people because all of a sudden he was performing um, really well at football. He was excelling in his team and he was always kind of using kind of, I've been through something really bad emotionally and I'm now performing. So he kind of used it as his thing to catch kind of like the media spotlight. So as time went on, it, it then came out that someone investigated it, but this person wasn't really dead and it wasn't really this Lene either. And then it, it happened just before the draft. So where he was online to kind of get a first level draft, I, I think it is, um, when this kind of came out, when people began to question, was he an, in on it or was he or was he a victim right. of, of catfishing? Yeah. And then that kind of affected his performance, his position in the draft um, and, and so on and so forth. So it caught a bit of media, of a national spotlight. There's actually a Netflix documentary called The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist, um, which I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but it was, it is now. He almost, his football career almost benefited from this loss. And I think that's why people kind of challenged him to say, actually, did you know about this or, or was it a real thing? Was it, yeah, was it a plan? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it, it's, I would recommend watching it because it's it's really interesting. Like some of the things that I kind of come come up with, with is how did it go on for three years before... You know, That's what I was going to say, when you said three years, I thought, three, yeah, three years is just a huge amount of time, isn't it? Yeah. And this happened back in 20, so yeah, so they met in 2009. They had been dating, and I say that in inverted commas for people who obviously can't see, for about three years before her, her death, again in inverted commas, in September 2012. So I guess 10 years ago, if that was happened today, would you alarm bell start ringing if you couldn't FaceTime? Or, or video call was that such a thing back then you said the person doing it could imitate like a female voice but uh, you'd think at some point you'd want to meet up sorry where did you say the catfisher was in relate did you say where they were in relation to him or because i'm just thinking even if it was another state or like five states I away you... i think i think i read that um i think i read that he was in stanford um, but I don't know how close that is to kind of the actual event. But if you watch the documentary, there's a clip where they actually meet each other in real life. And obviously he doesn't know, but obviously the person hoaxing it did know that they were kind of meeting. Yeah, it was all all very, very weird and almost a little bit fascinating to watch as well. So it just ended when they he said that that person also died. But did, we, did he find out anything? So did it come out then? It, it must have done. About. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it came out, and there was like public apologies. I, I, I think if he hadn't had such a successful season following that 
grieving process and you know that inspiration to be a better footballer it probably would never be talked about but because he had you know he really performed following that loss that all of a sudden it it became a, a big talking about and whether he hoaxed it to kind of get media attention and was he using it to get sympathy and people on his side um but when you watch a documentary i think you begin to feel that he didn't just looking him up now actually um so so the person imitating didn't sort of ask for anything there was no like financial no and i no there's no financial um thing i think he I think he's one of those people and he's he was um sexually abused when he was younger so he claimed that he was very confused about his sexuality and I think since the documentary has aired I think he's officially changed his sexuality as well so he's, you know he's no longer referred to as he so I'm probably using all the wrong terms but I, I think it was just more of a company type thing and I think it's just one of those things that probably started off as online chatting and company just got more and more serious as, as time went on. I guess it's interesting, isn't it? Because you connect with someone online and especially if you've not seen them, you can probably get connected to someone, can't you? you it's, it's that emotional bond, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think what's unusual about this case is that when you... Wa- I've watched a few of the catfishing, catfish things on, on MTV and they're quite fascinating. But usually a lot of the people involved are people who find themselves feeling lonely or in an emotional state or so they attach themselves to someone online uh, because they don't have many people around them and I kind of understand that feeling. But this guy is a college footballer. He's a good looking guy. He would have got lots of attention in high school, college and being one of their best players. In in a three year period, you just feel there might have been another bond somewhere that kind of came along and Maybe it is a person who's not linked to the everyday life and part of that bubble that is, I mean, college football, I, I don't know, I'm not. I'm no expert, but it feels like that is absolutely huge in America, right? So there's probably all the, the hangers-on, the entourage, the the pressure, and maybe this person on the internet who who is however many states away is probably just the ideal, what's the word, release, release for it. I mean, yeah, yeah you know, I, God, I remember sort of years ago again when, when at college and stuff, doing like online games and and, and chatting, you end up talking to people and you can build real friendships with people you've not seen just because yeah. it's it's like I've said before. Okay, the analogy was I, I played with a group of blokes on Xbox, FIFA, and Call of Duty. Those people, if you're still hanging out or, or still meeting up months later or years later. You've got a choice whether you want to speak to them or not. So if you still are, you're doing it because you you intentionally want to speak to each other. Whereas work and personal life friends, you haven't got an opportunity to avoid people. So yeah. people you think are friends or, or you're friendly with at work, you're probably just putting up with or they're putting up with you. Whereas online people, any point you could just turn that computer off and never speak to them again. Yeah, agreed. There was, there was one moment actually, and I can't remember the full details about it, so I won't talk about it too much, where... And this um, person playing Lene, I think, genuinely had feelings for for Manti, and kind of that's why, you know, it took a bit of a while for him to get over it. But at some point after the death was announced, I can't remember how long, she decided or he decided to come out and say that he wasn't dead, and kind of announced to him that he was actually alive and hadn't died after all. And then obviously it all got a bit confusing because how do you process that someone you think is dead suddenly comes back to life? Yeah, yeah. 
blimey. And I think this is it. And I think this is where we're starting to get into the whole thing where catfishing on the surface sounds like it's, um, oh, it's just someone with a fake profile. But this one, I mean, I don't know about your other example, but obviously Tinder Swindler, there's emotions and then there's financial stuff. Yeah, I, I don't think this was malicious. I think it just escalated to a escalated to a point where they couldn't get out of it. And I think they genuinely had feelings for each other. But obviously once the truth was out of that. And also from from Anty's point of view, you know, if you fall in love with someone and depend on that person's support and then you find out they don't exist, I don't know how you get closure out of that. I, I think that must be a really difficult thing to process. Yeah, because there's two elements. There's one you've technically lost someone not you know, that person hasn't died, on, but you've lost someone you thought was a, a confidant. But secondly, yeah. how do you reconcile the fact that for three years you've been lied to? Yeah, exactly. Um, and one other thing, so like I said, he used the grief and the support he got from the grief and had a really great season. Uh, and he was in line to win the Heisman Trophy or the Heisman Cup, which is a huge individual honour in American college football. So he was in line to win that. And part of his story, his success story, was the fact that he overcome this grief. I think at the time he probably didn't announce it. His, his girlfriend was a long-distance person who he met online and never met. Um, so to everyone else, it was just a girlfriend who passed away. I say just a girlfriend, that sounds terrible. But it, you know, just a, a girlfriend that had passed away. And obviously when it kind of came out, I think that affected his, his chances of winning that trophy. Yeah, I was just so I was just looking. So it looks like he did. So he got married a couple of years ago. Yeah, he's married with. I think he's got kids. It'd be interesting, interesting to see that. So what did you say? That... The documentary is called "The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist." Um, it's a two-parter, but it is. It's interesting how it kind of develops and gets to the end. And I think he talks about because I think after he found out, even in the first years in the NFL, even though he got into the NFL. He kind of had a massive problem of anxiety following the event, and so it impacted him. Um, but yeah, really interesting documentary uh, of a girlfriend who didn't exist. All right, good first one, good first one. Well, interesting first one. I don't think we should say okay. any of these are good, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. What's your What's your next one? So I'm going to let you do next... all the work on oh, this one because you moaned, you moaned at me the last time for not making you go first. So <laughs> I was just I was just sitting back. I was leaning back. I was waiting to listen. The, the next one, I, so I've got two smaller ones, not as much detail. So as we kind of said, there there is an MTV show called Catfish. Have you watched it? I've watched, yeah, I've watched a few. I find it fascinating. And there's lots of cases like these and you begin to ask the question of how could someone be fooled by that for two years? And, you know, there's lots of, if you don't FaceTime, surely that's a red flag. And you, you kind of get, I think these people get to a point where they're so invested in wanting to, this other person to be who they are, they ignore all the warning signs. Yeah, I do wonder if some some people are targeted as well, specifically because they, I'll come on to it in a tin swindler, but it's, I just think some people just have something missing in their lives. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that they're dependent on people, but I think some people are just looking for that someone. And when they find it, maybe they avoid the warning signs because they just don't want it to not be true. Yeah, 
Yeah, completely agree. So yeah, so M- MTV has a series called Catfish. It's hosted by a guy called, I think it's Neve um, Schumann, uh, but his first name is spelled N-E-V, so I've normally mispronounced it as Neville. But his name is Neve Schumann, who runs this show called Catfish. But the reason why it's come up was because he himself was catfished before the show and he kind of did a documentary on it because I think he kind of knew what was happening. He knew something was a bit off. So he started making a documentary on it. And essentially, um, he was a photographer based in New York, and he received a painting of one of his photographs from an eight-year-old artist named Abby, who lived in Michigan. So Neve began to talk to Miss Abby and say, thank you for the photo, thank you for the painting, but involved talking to her mother called Angela. And this Abby apparently had an older half-sister called Megan, and Neve and Megan started up a romantic relationship. And this is when they be kind of began to document it because it's quite a nice, like, you know, if it works out well, it's also a feel-good story. And his brother, Neve's brother's actually a filmmaker. So along with another filmmaker, they began to document the unusual situation, attracted by the idea of a child prodigy and an unfolding online romance. Over time, inconsistencies began to appear. Megan had shared some songs. She supposedly performed herself, but Neve found out they were taken from a performance on YouTube by someone else. So this this begin where the warning signs are to the point where they decided to just travel to Michigan to find this person and discovered that Abby wasn't a child prodigy at all. So the person that the, the kid that designed the painting was completely made up. Angela wasn't a supportive mother and Megan didn't exist. So from going from believing that this this mother called Angela had two children of which he was attracted to the older older sister, none of it existed. Angela was behind the whole thing. And kind of duped Neve into believing that he was an online relationship. And that, you know, she kind of tried to explain why it happened. And she created these profiles purely as a form of escape for caring for two disabled stepsons. And she used it as kind of a let's get out of my own body and head for a little while and I'll, I'll start this thing online and create something fictional. And then from that experience, Neve then started the catfishing um, MTV show, which has a lot of, like, there's about eight, nine series I've seen um, on, on telly, so there's a, there's a lot of this going on. But essentially, this, the series and the TV shows follows the same sort of pattern where he get some people contact him. He does things like Google image reverse search to, to find out if they're linked to any other profile, does things like searching, and then the, the second half of the episode is where he just turns up where these people are meant to be and tracks them down. So it's, it's quite interesting. But what I didn't know until this week was he was actually a victim of catfishing before he started that show. It's interesting, right? Because the two you've mentioned so far, it feels like at the heart of it, it is just people genuinely wanting a connection with someone rather than there being any ulterior motive like the one I'm going to come on to where it's just the guy's guy's just pure nasty. Especially in this one, like I said, because you said she had two disabled sons. Stepsons, yeah. Stepsons. That it's that fantasy world of her maybe living what she wanted to be able to do, it feels yeah. like. And it you know, she she may have been a full time carer to these two boys and it becomes a bit too much. And it again, similar to the other one, it's just a bit of escapism and just went too far until the point you're involving someone else and getting other people's feelings affected. Yeah, this is where we have to be careful then when we talk about you know, when you label anything like this catfishing, because it's not all about people intentionally going out to harm or deceive someone or defraud them. It's, yeah, it's 
Yeah, you've, you've kind of thrown a curveball there with these two. I've got another one, and this is another short one, which did have an ulterior motive. And it's just, just a little taking bit... advantage of this fact that I didn't let you go first a couple yeah. of episodes ago. You're, yeah. you're now... If you want to record an intro and an outro for me, I'll let you. It'll just be yeah. all you, you this episode. And you off. sit back. Actually, you yeah. head off. If, if you're tired, yeah. you head off and have a nap, and I'll carry on. Um, but the, the, the third one I have. And the reason why it's a little bit different, this was between someone called Paris Dunn and Chris Anderson, who I actually think might be an actor. But it's a bit more complex because they were both catfished at the same time by a person in the middle. This person in the middle sort of made profiles of each of them and got them talking to each other in fictional land. So I think the... Okay. So Shelley Chartier, who was a Canadian woman, was impersonating both Dunn and Anderson and got them talking to them, but controlled the narrative. So she would talk to Chris, pretending to be Paris, and then she would talk to Paris, pretending to be Chris, and conducted a massive relationship between the two of them, which they both thought they were engaged in. Then it got to the point where they were then sending nude photos and you know rude, rude stuff to each other. And then what happened was uh, things took a turn when Dunn received threats from a supposed ex of Anderson's demanding money in exchange for not releasing the explicit photos Dunn had sent. And then the, the same happened the other way round. And then what had happened is this Shelley Chartier, who's sitting in the middle, was using their photos for extortion to kind of get money out. Right. Of both parties. Okay. Um, and thankfully, in, in this occasion, when it all kind of found out and came out in the open... But these two people had actually never spoken to each other, had only spoken to the girl in the middle. She actually got arrested in January 2013 uh, with multiple counts of identity fraud and extortion and in 2015 was sentenced to 18 months in prison. So that definitely is an example of catfishing for extortion. Yeah, so that's an interesting one. So you've got someone matchmaking effectively, but with the aim of extorting both of them. Yes, yeah. that's... that's... That's actually really intricate and, and planned out, isn't it? It's Yeah, some of these cases, and you shouldn't, some of these cases you look at and go, that was quite clever. <laughs> like, they obviously, did, they obviously didn't get away with it, but it is clever how she's conducted that whole thing. I think you can look at something and absolutely be appalled by what they've done, but think how how they actually thought of it and, and sort of all that, all that time ago as well. So did, did the two people get together in the end you know oh the... uh, it doesn't it doesn't say that um but i probably had a conversation well, I guess, about it can... i guess they they might both be married but that but, person but, but can but again like in that scenario just say they met up and they were obviously attracted to the images of each other but have never spoken to each other but feel like they have been speaking to each other that's a weird conversation to have isn't it yeah, and the whole weird thing is, and people may be shocked by this. I'm not. I'm not a young spring chicken. I'm, you know, so I'm not in the prime of my youth here. But just the speed at which people like send nudes to each other, you know, and money. I'm not saying necessarily in this example, but sort of hand money, sort of hand over fist to to people, just kind of amazes me how how people do that, especially if it's not, you know, if you're in a relationship and you know, you've been in it for six months or whatever, and you know the person. And even even then, nothing, things don't always last forever. But I can almost understand that. But someone you've only ever spoken to online, and you're just sending news to each other, 
at, at what point do you say, yeah, I don't know. I just need to correct a few things I said because I realised I said a, a couple of things wrong. So Paris Dunn was an aspiring model from California who was only 17. And Chris Birdman Anderson was actually someone in the NBA as a professional basketball player. So yeah, so not an actor at all, but obviously someone who okay. probably has a relative amount of fame. Yeah. But it looks like they were talking for several months before the photos. She was came 17. Out. 17. Uh, so yeah. the, the one who was orchestrating this was 17. No, the, the girl uh, involved. The girl that sorry, was, right. was 17. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, and did you say then she sent nudes? Isn't there things in. Yeah. Isn't there implications yes. there? Yeah, maybe we, maybe yeah, we don't look, go. That's another episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and sorry, and the person you said who who did it or what happened? So uh, then... she got arrested and was sentenced to prison for eighteen months. Blimey, sorry, no, I'm just thinking about that. That the planning and the effort involved in that is, um, and and yeah, and also there you've got two people left hurt there, you know, yeah. or, or embarrassed and humiliated. It must be quite, you know, if he's a professional NBA player. You think it must be quite hard to actually get to him to be talking to him as well, right? Like, there obviously are ways. I guess you email, well, I don't know, Facebook, MySpace back then, probably. Like I said, depending on the profile you use, if it's someone that caught his eye, then you probably start talking. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. She obviously yeah, found, a way. found a way. Yeah. Um, okay, am I, am I allowed to go now? Uh, yeah, let me just check the time. Yeah, I think you're good. <laughs> Right, I'm. There's a fair bit of detail here, and even though I'm talking about it, if you're listening and you haven't seen it, do watch it because I'm only going to be talking about a fraction of it. So, so I'm going to talk about the Tinder Swindler, which is fairly recent. I think it came out last year on Netflix, and it's still definitely on UK Netflix. So, it is obviously at heart there is is a story about catfishing, but it starts off. There's a Norwegian-born London woman called Cecily Fjellhoy swipes through and she matches with this guy so you could tell at the start that she was she was someone who wanted a bit of fine living she wanted someone you know with a bit of money well she there was a lifestyle as well she wanted so she'd come across this guy uh swiped is it right i think and it came up with a match he starts messaging her straight away and and the interesting thing was she did what she thought was the right thing she started googling him the name and because his name was Simon Leviev, Le- Leviev. I'm, I'm going to say Leviev, right? I only watched documentary a couple of nights ago as well. So she Googled him and turns out that he was, or, or online when she Googled him, he was the son of a um, diamond mogul of Lev Leviev, who was who owned a company called LLD Diamonds. So with that, and she saw the pictures on on in, uh, oh, that's it. She also went to Instagram to see if he was a real person. She found his profile and there was l- lots of pictures of him living the high life. So she responds back to him. And then he sa- he says straight away, I, th- I think, where was he? He was in Bulgaria. And he says, why don't you come over and join me? And he pays for her to go. Now, again, there, the other thing for me is you've literally just matched with someone. It's a matter of hours and you're getting on a flight arranged by someone to go somewhere. It's just... <laughs> It rings, it rings alarm bells for me. Anyway, she goes along with it. They end up in this really nice hotel. Things happen that evening. And he starts saying that he's got a lot of enemies because in the diamond world, they've got a lot of enemies. And he says, um, my life isn't always very safe. Anyway, they're 
meeting and dating for months, you know, going to all these nice places. He's flying around the world. He's, he's often not able to see her. Then it takes her when one night he sends her a, a picture of his bodyguard who I think had been stabbed. He's covered in blood. He's in the back of a, an ambulance. He's, he's got an, an image of him with the bloke's blood on his shirt. And he says, look, my enemies are coming after me. I've got to hide. And he says he's no longer safe because of a breach of security. The bank stopped all his cards, right? So he then asked Cecily, could he link, sorry, could she link her American Express account to his so he can use it in the meantime? And then I think he asked her to take out cards in her name and to give a card to him, took out loans. So ultimately, she took loans out from three different banks in order to help him. And she basically gave him £250,000. Anyway, while all this is happening, he meets another woman, Swedish, Pernilla Scholholm. Sorry for the pronunciation. Now, she said there wasn't an attraction, physical attraction, but she liked him again for his lifestyle. And again, she was one who looked like she had a bit of money and liked the lifestyle. So she went with him to Rome, Vienna, Mykonos. And yeah, she just got attracted to the lifestyle rather to him. All of a sudden, the same thing starts happening. She then, he then starts saying to her, you know, he's in danger. He gets to get the same um, video of of the bodyguard being attacked and blood and, and, and same thing and needed money. So what it transpires is, cut a long story short, he would meet woman A, romance her, get her hooked, and then ask her to send all this money. And he'd then use that money to fund his relationship with the next woman. So again, you know what you were saying about feeling bad because you think what they're doing is is clever. He absolutely had the lifestyle. So he wasn't lying about the lifestyle he had. But what he was doing was just using the money from one woman. When he maxed her out, he then sort of had to cut her off and, and, and moved on to the next one. So each woman was just funding his life with the next woman. Now, again, going to cut a long story short. First woman then, Cecily, she got really stressed because um, because of what was happening. So she goes to American Express, who who was her credit card, her, her her bank. They visited her at home to discuss everything that was going on, and she told him everything because that's also the other thing. He pretended to to this woman that he was going to employ her and was sending her paychecks of ninety four thousand pounds. So when she could go to the bank, she could prove that she was good for it. They said, "Can we see who this person is?" She shows him a photo of Simon. And the two agents turned to each other and said, that's him. So they're obviously aware that this guy is going around doing this to these women. Uh, so they then ask her what name he'd been using. So they say Simon Leviev. And they said, look, that's actually not his real name. His real name was Shimon Hyatt. When he knew that she wasn't going to give him any money, he goes to this new woman, Pernilla. And long story short, there's, they then find out the, the police go or the police go to her and and a news agency i think in finland get involved they then find another woman who's supposedly his current girlfriend and they do try to get him trapped by journalists but ultimately he catches on when they're trying to photo photograph him so he does a runner yeah so while while all this is going on with, with these two women um simon on the run because he realizes he's not going to get money from those two women anymore he strikes a relationship with a Dutch fashion worker called Eileen, who again met on Tinder. And But the funny thing was, she's then looking online and she comes across a picture of him on social media with a caption called the Tinder Swindler. So at this point, she'd already given him $140,000. So she confronts him 
He assures her again that these are all fake stories, that these are his enemies, again, these so-called notorious enemies after him. But she didn't believe him. This woman, right, to be fair to her, she was brilliant. She she didn't believe him and she tried to get her money back from him. So she knew he was running low. So she suggested, because he was always wearing fancy clothes, Gucci, Versace, Armani, whatever, she said, as, as I work in a fashion industry, let me sell the clothes, your clothes, to get you money. So she meets up, he gives her like three suitcases of his clothes and she then starts selling his clothes on eBay and stuff, and everything she's selling, she's making, she's keeping, not giving it back yeah. to him. Anyway, keeps going. He's sending her photos saying he's le- he's eating leftover food and sleeping in a hostel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. At one point, he then keeps disappearing. He says to her, "Right, I'm sleeping in a hostel. I'm boarding a flight from the Czech Republic to Greece. In his own words, to fix this mess." She then deduces the time his phone goes offline. She starts looking online for flights from the Czech Republic to Greece, works out what flight he's going to be on, calls the police, and the police meet him, uh, Interpol, they pick him up and arrest him with the fake passport. So ultimately, he was sentenced to 15 months for the crimes he committed in Israel. So it's not anything to do with the defrauding he's done of these women. It was on stuff in Israel, but he was actually released five months after. The sad thing about this program, actually, and it, again, is a fascinating thing, and you think, great, he's been caught. But he's, as soon as he's released five months after, he's met another woman who's a model, an Israeli model, I think, and he's actually back in the lifestyle. Here it is. He's still rich and really wealthy. Now, I looked it up. He set up, apparently, a couple of websites, and he also set himself up on Cameo. Do you know what Cameo is? Where no, I don't, you can, actually. It's where you can get... 30 second videos of celebrities you send them a message and they'll read it for you oh no way he made thirty thousand dollars in his first three days charging two hundred dollars for a personal video and two thousand for video uh for business so what people this is a criminal ultimately and people are, are paying that money for a video of him so one of the things I was, I was waiting for you to get to the end before i said it but you can actually follow him on instagram so yeah, he's, he's, he's a account he's He's legit. Oh, yeah, I can see that he's got a cameo link on his Instagram, but I've got it open. He's got one million followers. It's like he could, he could, he could start, you know, being an influencer and make money that way. He's just, it's crazy. Well, I think that's what he's doing. I got the impression at the end of Netflix that he is offering like advice, like business advice. Apparently, in 2022, he launched an NFT collection uh, with images and quotes from the, the program. Um, but sorry, but when I say he's sad, so he's gone on and he's now still earning all this money and he's a, he's a star. The three women in the center of the Netflix documentary, Penilla, Cecile and Aileen, they've still got to pay their debt. These yeah. debts... Are, and it's, they're, they're lifetime debts, right? Some of those, some of those women won't get, get out of that debt ever. What they actually did, they tried to set up a GoFundMe because, and what they did, it was set to £600,000 or $800,000. Now, why they did it for that was... Uh, Cecile or Cecily was the first one. Hers was set at $379,000. So that includes the amount she lost plus interest rates as well as legal fees from loans. Pernilla, who was the second woman, is $135,000. And Eileen is $298,000. Now, at the time when I when I um, got my notes, it closed because it was a year ago. Unfortunately, I only made £183,000. So it, it's not even anywhere near what they needed so 
I mean, uh, there's two things I want to talk about here. You know, one is what he did. Two, how he's gone on and still now he was a criminal beforehand. So let's say, oh, sorry, he was he was involved in shady activities beforehand. Hence why he was arrested. These women's lives are. I don't want to say destroyed, but they've got all this debt and he's he's living it up. So about the actual what he did, you know, talk to me about that. What do you... It's probably a year ago since I've seen this documentary, so I'm probably doing this from memory. But I remember coming away from it and thinking, that guy is so clever. Um, and obviously, like we said before, what he's done is awful and it's horrific and it's inhumane. But his way of doing it, you know, it's almost like a, a full-time project manager type role of being in the right places and all the overlaps and, you know, what he did is, it's incredible. Now, obviously, he knows how to sweep a woman off their feet um, and get them carried away in the journey of, of, what, of what's going on because, you know, he's got women and they seem like, when you watch a documentary, they seem like smart women as well, right? They don't seem like they're idiots. They, they seem well, yeah, yeah. High-powered roles, yeah. They've handed over hundreds of thousands of pounds. And you would just think, at what point do you think, I shouldn't be doing this? Like, this this seems a bit bizarre. And I can't remember from documentary kind of the timescales of when he met when he met a girl and the first time she had to transfer money over. I can't remember what that, that time frame is. I think we're only talking at most possibly a couple of months, but that's at most. I think it's fairly soon. Yeah. And just to stress, the, what, the reason why is because they, they honestly believed he was in danger because of these enemies. And, and he's got that video of his bouncer covered in blood. Yeah. But two things on that. One is, yeah, lending someone money is one thing, but going and getting credit cards and loans up to $250,000 for someone you barely know yeah. feels that step. And secondly, at what point also do you say, yeah, do I... Is your safety at risk because of someone who's who's obviously in in danger? And you you think as well as like I reckon why they were going through this experience, they probably weren't telling their friends or family that they were getting credit cards out or or doing this. So I think subconsciously they knew what they were doing was the wrong thing. But you know when like you tell someone and that person goes, "You're an idiot. Stop doing that." I think they didn't want that validation of what their subconscious was already telling them. They must know that that's crazy and they're just being swept away in the hope there's a happy ending. And the other thing which I think speaks volumes is if he was coming across as a poor person in danger, none of that would have happened. And it, you can see how easy it is to kind of get swept away in a fantasy of something because it could easily be a poor person in the same scenario you meet. He's a nice guy, obviously doesn't treat you lavishly, but he might need money because he's in danger. I think that's where it worked really well, though, because they were, I think they were women, like I said, you know, intelligent, high paid anyway. I think they were, you know, they, they look like they both come from sort of wealthy backgrounds, wanted a specific lifestyle. And straight away, he's flying them around the world. So he's hooked them on the concept that he is rich. Uh, the other key thing to say is there was a picture of him with these diamond family, the owner of this diamond, but that then obviously turned out to be photoshopped image of him on there. Um, the the family said they've got, they they don't know him at all. And again, it's what you said about him is his lifestyle wasn't fake. He was jetting around the world. He was going into all these clubs. These fancy restaurants did know him, but it was it wasn't fake. But it was what he was doing to get the money was the, yeah. the deception. Now, 
I'm amazed still that he couldn't be charged with anything because one, he was pretending to be affiliated to this diamond company. Two, he was defrauded. They were giving him the money, but he was defrauding them. And, and a couple of them, they did have threatening messages from him because when they stopped sending him money, they got threatening messages from him. And one to the mother saying, basically, you'll know what's happened. Every action has got a reaction. Now, oh, and also two people were to thinking that they were just handing over money. He did keep sending them checks, but of course they bounced. So he was trying to repay them. And one woman, he gave them a watch. It was fake. <laughs> it's extraordinary. Uh, for anyone who hasn't watched it, who's listening to this, please give it a watch because it is, it's, you'll find it fascinating and gripping as you kind of go through it. And it's funny what you said because I actually said to my wife at the time as well when we're watching it is, um, how does he remember all this? Because he's obviously got five or six at the time. So he's got to remember all, all, all of them, what he's done with all of them, at what point he's at in this scam and this hoax. But I'm guessing as well, what we haven't taken into account is he's got people in on it as well right so his bodyguard as an example must be working for him so there's an element of there's people involved in this and keeping them all involved and employed so he's obviously the bodyguards making a salary out of it to a point where he doesn't need to work so there must be a group of three or four of them which are yeah it's it's mind-blowing it really is the other shocking thing is the state of the world we're in where he becomes a celebrity and they're, they're struggling because it's, um, like I said, it was actually quite sad, the ending. I thought it was going to finish on a bit of an upbeat note. And and to be fair to the, the women, they said, look, if this at least has stopped one other woman falling foul of this and we've done our job, yeah. it doesn't matter about anything else. But it is crazy, right, that he is now earning a fortune off of being yeah. the Tinder swindler and they had to set up a GoFundMe, which didn't meet the target. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, that's when you when you hear a statement life isn't fair. It's that that scenario is exactly it. It's just not fair. And if you see, I think they show some tweets. I think a lot of people were saying that basically it's their fault and they were stupid, basically. But like we said along, but but he, stu- he was stupid's a stupid's a harsh word. Maybe naive. Yeah, I think that speaks to nature of the internet about how horrible people can be, but. You, know, you could look at it and go, those women were probably naive. And, you know, when you're writing your first check for 50 grand or taking out your first credit card for 100 grand or whatever it was, you think to yourself, think, don't do it. Just take a step back and think about what you're doing. That has to be the warning sign, that amount of money. I, I, and like I said, because they did the right thing, they Googled him, they Instagrammed him. I'll probably add at this point as well, just in case you were playing the long game in this sort of thing, I'm not going to take out any credit cards in, in my name for you or anything like that. This is a financially independent relationship, just just in case you were getting any ideas. All right. I, I, you're not going first on the next episode, you're under. <laughs> yeah, did you have any other examples? Or uh, There are some, but I haven't got any details. I thought three, three was probably enough. Okay, well, I think what we can say is, just interesting what we've said is in the last hour, um, catfishing isn't as obvious as it seems in terms of your your examples have shown the human side of it, whereas mine has showed the criminal side of it, right? Or, or sorry, because he's he didn't get arrested for anything because it's not a crime. He got arrested for other things. The underhanded side of catfishing, I think we should say. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. There is that element of doing it for criminal, and then there's that element of just loneliness because, as they say, there's a loneliness epidemic out there, don't they? And I think 
I think it's equivalent of wearing a mask and being able to be someone else for a little yeah. while and then it just people just get carried away. Yeah. But in the Tinder Swindler, the emotion thing is on the other side of it because the women genuinely thought, well, the first one anyway, genu- genuinely thought she was in love with him and that he loved her. So the, the emotion, the element comes from that. Well, Yeah, to be, to be heartbroken and 200 yeah. grand in debt in this, all at the same time is a pretty hard one to take, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, well, I think we'll leave it there then. I'll try to link some of the, the cases in there. For for my one anyway, in the UK, Tinder Swindler is definitely still on, on Netflix. Check it out. Because like I said, I think I haven't done it justice, uh, the story. Dan, anything from you before you go? No, no, not not for me. Uh, thank you for having me back on again to talk to about something which is completely not football. <laughs> but yeah, if, if you're interested in football after all that, come and listen to us at Just Football. That's true, because the last one I had you on, we did sporting scandals, didn't we? So, yeah. yes. Okay, you're back to football next time. Yeah, so check out Just Football, where you're here, Dan and myself, host. I do like to say, I think it's listenable even if you're not a football fan. So, so yeah, go go check it out. For me, you can get hold of me at Casting Views on Twitter and castingviewspod at gmail.com. Um, also on threads, I keep forgetting that. That's a new one now. I've got to add it. It's, it's, soon, I think the... um. The socials, listing the socials are going to be longer than the the episodes soon. So, yeah, I'll catch you next time. If I want your opinion, I will give it to you. Come on, take what we've got, because you.